Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Analyst at the World Cup. Uh, we've seen a, a, an interesting game today. England at last back on the winning track. Uh, we'll review that performance today against the Indians. A, a, a very good 30-run win for England. And also later, we're going to talk to Courtney Walsh, the great West Indian fast bowler, who, of course, now is the bowling coach of Bangladesh. They still have a chance of qualifying. They were practising today at Edgebaston in preparation for their game on Tuesday against India at Edgbaston. So we'll talk to Courtney in a little bit about his views on the tournament as a whole. But first, uh, just to look back at that fine England performance and one or two of the questions asked about the Indians afterwards. Simon, what what was your thought on it overall, England's performance? Well, absolutely vital win. And that's the bottom line, isn't it? They just had to win the game. They were under pressure and they dealt with it. They won a good toss. I think winning the toss gives you that freedom. And they batted really well. I thought the really key aspect of the game was how England dealt with India's spinners. What was it? One for 160, something like that, off 20 overs. Bairstow and Roy, magnificent against the spinners. And I thought that was what won England the match, really, how they countered India's wrist spinners. Yes, actually, after the game, Johnny Bairstow, man of the match, of course, uh, credited VVS Lakshman uh, for some of his work against spin. Of course, uh, he was the coach, one of the coaches at the Sunrisers Hyderabad, where Johnny played this IPL alongside David Warner. And uh, VVS Lakshman is a very influential character, always around the, the team, the Sunrisers team. I spoke to VVS afterwards, he's over in England doing commentary and, and analysis for Star TV. And I just chatted to him afterwards about his work with Johnny. He just praises him highly, actually. He says, you know, he's got all the basics. He's a, a super player of spin. Just sort of tried to help him not be too medita- too premeditated against the bowlers, but to be, con- you know, very sort of strong and decisive in his actions against spin, um, be positive, and just try, try and get a bit lower in the crease. He, he has a habit, habit of standing upright when he's facing the faster bowlers, but just get a slightly lower to the ground, a slight forward press, a little bit of a flex of the knees uh, when he's facing spin, but just to be positive and, and not be too premeditated. Play the ball on its merits, but be positive. And uh, Bairstow's, I mean, it, it was almost slightly frenetic, some of the, the play against the spinners early on in, in the day, but, but in a controlled way, it wasn't reckless. And the power of some of those shots, I think it was eight sixes, in that in that opening stand from Roy and and Bairstow, and I also thought that the, that the influence of Roy was huge. Even in the first over, Mohammed Shami, you know, it was quite a tense sort of set up before the game. And how would England go? Winning the toss, obviously a massive bonus, but you've got to take advantage of it. And Roy in that first over, one good ball from Shami forced 
through the offside, off the back foot, which was nothing wrong with the ball, and that got the innings going. Then in, also in the first over, Shamu went to pitch up, and Roy just stroked it, sort of almost caressed it, wide of extra cover, two early fours to sort of ease the nerves, and as sort of ease Bearstow into it, because you sort of feel sometimes with, with Bearstow, He's a slightly fragile character, but with his sort of more forceful partner, Jason Roy, reinstalled at the top of the order, making a good statement in that first couple of overs, that seemed to, to get Bairstow going, and, and he was more positive as well. Yeah, I thought he played a magnificent innings. He actually fielded brilliantly as well, Bairstow. The simple fact is, Roy's a class opening batsman in, in white ball cricket. We might see him in red ball cricket as well for England this summer. I mean, lots of things I think went England's way, but they you know they made them go their way as well. But things went their way. I mean, the fact they won the toss, I think, it was really important. They batted first without so much pressure. Bairstow nicked two off the inside edge past his leg stump. I mean, another day that you know they cannon into your leg stump and you're on your way early. Roy was caught down the leg side. India appealed. It was turned down. India weren't sure they didn't review you know he had gloved it through and even in a sort of bizarre way Roy's injury where he was he was struck on the on the arm and that allowed him not to field and you know with that hamstring injury that was you know a, a great way of of resting if you like unless of course that you know there's severe damage to the arm and then that of course that provides England with another problem but it was a sort of major bonus in a way that Roy didn't have to field with that hamstring problem. Uh, the other side of that, of course, is that Rahul didn't field uh, very much for India and they had uh, Ravi Jadeja out there and took a brilliant <laughs> yeah. catch to get rid of Roy. So it's, you know, it was swings and roundabouts on who fielded uh, for which side. But it was sort of one of those days when things went England's way and yeah. they needed to. And they didn't have, I mean, in a way... They didn't have a great deal of luck against Australia first up at Lords the other day. There was an LBW shout that could easily have gone their way. There was the the drop catch or well, the, the slice to backward point when Vince couldn't take it. You know there was playing and missing. Okay, England bowled a bit short against Australia, but you know th- things didn't quite go their way. Whereas uh, today they did, and you know England benefited. But you know they they made it count, didn't they? That was the England that we've become used to, really, with that you know aggressive opening partnership. And when you know Roy and Bairstow were going, and with that you know that is when England play at their best Mm. yes I I spoke to Andrew Strauss before the game actually and we were just sort of standing on the pitch pitch a good pitch by the way not a a used pitch one that would reward you know good cricket basically and not be too much of a lottery batting second and uh, I said to Strauss you know what would you say if you were in the dressing room what would you say to the England team before going out for today's match what kind of philosophy would you uh, recommend and he said, oh, I, I just think we should go back to playing the the way that that, that has set our uh, standards so high over the last two or three years. Be fearless, be aggressive, be positive. Just you know, take the attack to the Indian bowlers and and go. You know, just make sure we go back to those really basic tenets that we've stuck to over the last two or three years to back yourself and and be fearless. And that's exactly what what England were. And Mm. there's that old cliche called fortune favours the brave. And in that match that you mentioned in England-Australia at Lords, Australia, a big drive from Aaron Finch in the first over to Wokes, flew over the top of second slip, but they were obviously going to be positive, the Australians, without being reckless. And I think generally they had the luck in that day, certainly in the morning. In England today, those bits of luck that you said the inside edges, the, the court down the leg side that could have been reviewed on another day. But England just, they, they, they were brave, I thought, in that first 15 overs or so. Definitely. Some pretty good balls bowled. But England backed themselves and short boundary. They made good use of that. The, 
the uh, spinners when they came on were pumped over the, the leg side or back over the bowler's head. Uh, just an excellent choice, of, you know, selection of shots, shots uh, that, that, that generally those players have executed well over the last few years. I thought Stokes as well mm. was excellent uh, and he's continued his general high performance levels in this tournament, uh, 280s already and a, a 70 today uh, off only about 50 balls. It's 380s actually, it's 380s and a 70. 380s, yeah, he's, he's got yeah. over 80, 79 in the end. Um, so just generally sort of reinforcing the excellent work of the, the top order and the fielding was back to its yeah. intensive best. You know, the, the fielding standards England set in that first match of the tournament against South Africa, outstanding. The catch from Stokes, but also the run out on the boundary and generally some really sharp work in, in the ring. And today, actually, we worked out that Bairstow, as well as all, all the, the work he did with the bat, running around the field, racing around the field, he covered just under 18 kilometres in the match. So, not surprisingly, he was a bit red-faced at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he was brilliant in the, in the field, Bearstow, and, and, and a magnificent 100 as well. And you, you talk about the fielding, Wokes' catch, absolutely yeah. vital as well to get rid of uh, Rishabh Pant. It was a, a sort of strange chase from India. I mean, a lot of the, the comment was about how good a pitch it was. I thought it was a, actually a really good pitch for a one-day match because obviously it benefited the batsman. But I thought there was enough there for the bowlers uh, to work with. And, of course, England exploited that in the, in the opening overs. Wokes was, was excellent, bowling a tight line. And there was the drop catch, which could have cost England enormously. Rohit Sharma dropped early on by Root. I bet he was uh, relieved at the end of the day's play. Uh, you know, in, England bowled really well. And, but then there was that sort of bizarre finale to the game where India just seemed to accept they were going to lose I just couldn't understand it I mean it, it was absolutely perplexing and we've seen Dhoni do it before so I'm doing it at Lords last year in one of the most bizarre one day matches I've ever seen I think I just inexplicable that his, his actions that day and today it was just odd no real attempt to win the game after Pandya was out I mean I, I, I just don't know what to say about it I, I, I just don't understand how you can play like that at the end no, well, I can tell you what some of the Indian fans said about it afterwards. I mingled with the, some of them as they were leaving, and they were quite happy, actually, because they said, well, we don't want Pakistan to get through. Uh, so India was sort of deliberately stopping them from getting through, and that's fine, and we'll hammer you in the semis or the final. We'll turn the tables on you sort of thing. But today, it was more of a sort of tactical performance. I'm not convinced about that particularly. Yeah. I, I think they like to leave their run chases to the end. Dhoni has that way of doing it. He thinks he can still get, you know, 15 and over off the last three or four, but they just left it far too late. But interestingly, Virat Kohli said after the game to Sanjay Mandrake, who was interviewing for TV, there's going to be a bit of a post-mortem. There's going to be some questions asked in the dressing room about why that approach was adopted. I think when they did that at Lords, the match you mentioned a year or two ago, they sort of accepted it, but now they're not going to accept it anymore and I think the finger will be pointed at Dhoni a bit that you can't carry on like this you've got to make a bit more effort and not leave it so late Well the other point is Simon, that India are not mathematically yet through to the semi-finals they still have a little bit of work to do so whether they were just 
you know, protecting their net run rate a bit and just trying to make sure they got as, you know as many as they possibly could in those last few overs. Uh, you, you know, that it, you could have had a situation where they just played all sorts of shots and got bowled out for hardly any you know any more runs. But I, I just didn't understand it. But anyway, the point is, India still have a bit of work to do. Not much. I mean, I think they could you know lose their last two games uh, and, and still qualify for the semi-finals. Those last two games against Bangladesh on Tuesday and against uh, Sri Lanka. So, but. Re- really odd, and and also you know what was a I thought was a really intense game as well, uh, kept my attention all day, and you know it was really building up when Pandya was batting well with with Pant. You thought this is on, you know when Cody and Rohit Sharma produced that fine partnership. You thought this is on; they're going to have to play well. But as it, as it turned out, they didn't play quite well enough. And that that Wokes catch was a, a a massive moment in the game, getting rid of Pant. And then when Pandy was caught at long, all that you know that was it. But India, you know they they just accepted it. Well, you know that's that's surely that's not the way to play. No, no, you're right. You're right. I uh, I talked to the groundsman Gary Barwell before the game because there's been quite a lot of of talk about the pitches and are they sort of special ICC ordered surfaces which don't necessarily favour uh, England in particular and maybe do favour the uh, south the, the subcontinental teams. Uh, all the groundsmen completely uh, banish that idea. Mm. The ICC basically tell the groundsmen you've got to prepare the best pitch for a one-day game that you can. Now, that's slightly different from the information or the advice they get from the England cricket board when it's a bilateral one-day series. They say, make it as flat as possible. But Mm. So the ICC is more about a proper good pitch for everybody uh, I, so I th- you know there's a slightly uh, s- slightly different emphasis I suppose but the groundsmen look to try and produce the best pitch they can and the issue that they have interestingly is that whereas they're preparing uh, pitches for one day internationals they've only got one major pitch to prepare because obviously the one day international series move around the country so each ground Edgbaston or Headingley or whatever only have to produce that one pitch whereas for this tournament they've often got to produce five pitches all kind of fairly close to each other so they don't quite get the same attention, the same meticulous attention to detail, the same same endless rolling perhaps as they might do uh, if you've got sort of three or four weeks to prepare one pitch they've got two, two or three weeks to prepare five pitches and often only a couple of days in between so we've got another match here on Tuesday at Edgbaston, the India Bangladesh game so you know ground staff are, are sort of and they don't, they're not given any more resources, no more manpower, no more money to prepare these five pitches for the tournament. So you can sort of understand why they're not perhaps quite as blemish-free as the, uh, as the pitches for one-day internationals generally. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good point. And I, I watched a game on Saturday that was on a used pitch at Lords between New Zealand and Australia. And I have to say, it was quite hard work. You know, well for everybody. You know, for spectators in in blistering heat, for you know, batsmen, especially for New Zealand's batsmen on on that surface against that Australian attack, and for and for commentators as well. It was it was a it was a really um, grinding match on Saturday and you know people say oh what's the best pitch for a one day international I, I think the best pitch for a one day international is when the scores when you can get about 280 to 300 I, I think 230 240 pitches 
uh, you know, it, it's a it's a long old watch. It's a long old haul. That I think you you need to have that uh, situation where a batsman can go out there and play thrillingly, and and you, and you can get sixes. I think spectators want to see sixes, but I think also as well, it's good to see a pitch where you know there's a bit there for the bowlers. Like I thought there was a bit there for the bowlers today. The bowlers might disagree with me, but you know if you bowl that if you bowl that length it, it, at times, and you know slower balls mix things up, you know it, it wasn't easy at times. Bumrah magnificent again, wasn't he? Bumrah was absolutely. Superb, and so too was Archer and Plunkett, magnificent for England as well. So that you know, th- there was something there for the bowlers if you were good enough. And talking of bowlers, um, Courtney Walsh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the bowling coach now Bangladesh must be a bit odd actually, being a, a bowling coach of a, of a team like Bangladesh when you came from the come from the great West Indies team of the nineteen eighties and nineties, uh, used to the four pronged fast bowlers, people propelling the ball down from six foot five inches uh, to ninety miles an hour, and and now he's working with a bunch of sort of fairly military medium paces and obviously some good spinners, but uh, he doesn't mind, uh, so I. I asked him generally what he thought of the tournament so far. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I mean, as I said, the weather was a little bit of a damp at the start of it. There's nothing you can do about that. But I think towards the end now, the weather, the cricket, everything, I've been pretty excited. And it's good. I mean, it's my first World Cup not playing. So it's good to be with a team and, you know, that we're enjoying it. Well, what does it feel like? Give us a comparison about... Is it, in a way, more stressful being a coach than being a player in the World Cup? It can be in some sense because, as a coach, there's not a lot you can do in the, in the middle of a play. Um, you can give advice, you can do as much as you want behind the scenes, but then the players have to do the stuff in the middle, so sometimes you, you, know, you bite your nails or you worry a little bit more. But that shouldn't be the case. It comes with experience that you try to get over that. But once you realise that it's not in your hands, then you just do the best you can off the field of play. And what have you thought about uh, of the tournament overall? I mean, obviously Bangladesh started slowly. Uh, you've, built, you've built up, you've, you've played some good matches. Um, as a whole, looking at the teams in general, do you think Bangladesh are getting closer to, to the top three or four teams in the world? Yeah, I think so. I think they show that consistency. They've played some good cricket, as you say. Um, and they're doing the right things, improving all the time. I mean, I have a lot of time for the players. The players take pride in their performance. They want to do well. They want to do well for the country. They want to do well for themselves as well. So when you have that sort of hunger from the players, you know, it can only get better. And I think they're now starting to believe in themselves a little bit more as well, which helps. And the performance to date has just been very good, very consistent, and very happy for that. What, what are you working on with them specifically? What little things have you been pleased with that you've worked with them on? The little thing that I've been very pleased with is the level of consistency. You want them to be more consistent in the performance. Um, think on the feet, on the field of play, and you know they've been doing that a lot better. And as I said, for me the biggest thing was the consistency, and you know they've shown that, and that's very very pleasing. And then the hunger for wanting to do well and the pride for playing for your country. Is there a chance that Bangladesh could produce? I'll just wait till that. Is there a chance that Bangladesh in the future could produce a bowler like you, uh, someone of uh, a taller stature and you know extra pace? Yeah, there's every possibility of that. There's some good young quicks down there coming through. Um, once we can get them strong enough and enough cricket under the belt to get the expo- exposure with the experience, there's a lot of possibility for that. There's a lot, some kids down there now that are doing pretty well, and just lack of the opportunity to sort of. Get, get into the, the, the know how I want to perform and play. Um, what has, the good bit is that they're playing a lot more cricket in Bangladesh now, so these kids will get a chance to play some more. So hopefully in the next couple of months, some of these guys will come through. 
And uh, what you, you were uh, famous for your uh, your longevity, keeping going, not buckling down to injuries. What was your secret to staying fit? And what have you told them about the quick the quick bowlers about how to stay fit? What advice have you been able to pass on? Yeah, I mean, you have you have to be able to play with some type of injury, manage it, know yourself, know your body, and know that limitation. Know that when you can't go any further, but don't just cry off if you feel a little niggle because you're never going to be 100 percent fit with the amount of cricket that's been played. So you have to be able to play through some of the injuries, some of the injury barriers. Pace yourself, but the most important thing is to know your body, know what you can do, when you can do it, and how you go about doing it. That's good advice, actually. I, I know what you feel because <laughs> you, you, there's always something hurting. Always as a bowler, something hurting. Yep, yep, yep. And what about uh, as a whole the other teams here? Uh, have you been able to watch much cricket, you know, other than the games you've played in? Been able to not as much as possible because we've been practicing sometimes, sometimes we travel, so you get to watch bits and pieces here and there, but not as much to say sit down and watch an intense game. We watch a couple of games, but not very, very all of it. It's been good cricket that what we have seen. Um, we've seen some very exciting finishes. But, and we have watched a couple of the highlight packages, which has been good as well. And how about um, the West Indies? Uh, have you seen much of them? Have you had much to do, much encounter with them, uh, watching them play? Do, do, do you have a view on how they've been going? Yeah, I've seen, I mean, we play against them. I've watched a couple of the games and we're in Ireland together. So I've got a good idea of how they've been going. And I'm sure that they're very disappointed with where they are now, based on you know, the, the, the calibre of players that they had here. Uh, but, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. And as I say, I watch a couple of the games, but, you know, the first focus, or the first and foremost focus is with the team I'm with and trying to get us to do as well as we can do. Yeah. And, and what's been the view in the Bangladesh camp about the tournament overall? I mean, it, you know, it's quite, I know what it's like in Dhaka, living in Dhaka. It's probably pretty hot. They're, they may be used to the rain, I suppose, but not necessarily the coolness. So have they felt it's been quite hard going with the, with the weather that they've had to deal with? Well, I think when we arrived in Ireland, that was tough because it's very, very cold and they weren't accustomed to that coldness. But after we get through to Ireland and the adapt, adaption we made there, it became a lot easier. Um, and to be quite honest, we had two good breaks where the boys were able to freshen up. I think that has helped us as well because it's been a long tour and we were able to, after Ireland, get a chance to just unwind, start afresh. And then coming into the series, it's the similar thing happened twice. So the boys are key, they're up for it, they're happy. And you know, once you have a happy bunch of guys together, then that's all you can ask for. And you're still in contention. So how do you see the next few days panning out? What's going to be the approach? Well, we, we, have, we have to go to trust and be positive and try and win our games, whatever games we have left, because that gives us a chance. It doesn't give you automatical qualification, but if we can win our last two games, it gives us a chance of getting to the semi-finals. So I think that's what we're thinking about. So you've got a game here at Edgebaston? On Tuesday. On Tuesday? Against, and then against India. Yeah. And then Pakistan at large on the Friday. So two pretty hard games. Asia Cup. <laughs> two very, very hard games, but... I mean, we're here to enjoy, do the best we can, and just leave everything on the field of play. Quite funny, actually, looking at Courtney. Well, he's put on a little bit of weight since uh, he gave up cricket. I mean, he was an absolute stick-thin cricketer, and, and you didn't know how he kept going, actually. He was known as Duracell when he played for Gloucestershire because he never broke down, and he kept on going and going and going. And he had this amazing stamina and sort of resilience. You do, as a bowler, just have to overcome niggles and pains every single day. There's something that hurts. But I always found, actually, as a bowler, that you know, you'd go into a game 
thinking, oh God, my knee hurts or my ankle hurts or something like that. But as soon as you got going and got warmed up, you forgot about it. Or even worse, sometimes you've got another niggle. So you forgot about the one you had before and now you're managing something else. You know, I'm not sort of trying to sound the, the, the kind of... Um, sympathy. I'm not trying to get the sympathy vote for bowlers, but it, it is a hard job and it, it does hurt virtually every day. And I think that's certainly one of the things he's he's passed on to his uh, the people he's mentoring for Bangladesh. They have still a chance of qualifying, of course, with their mm. two games to go. And if England lose against New Zealand and Bangladesh win their their last two games, they could still sneak in. Absolutely, yeah. There's all to play for for. Bangladesh. I mean, we play against New Zealand on Wednesday, and after the, you know, after the high today, you know, you don't want any sort of well, you certainly don't want any complacency creeping in because England still have got a big task ahead of them. But you know, it, it was such a big, uh, an important game for them uh, against India. You know, I don't know whether he's, you know, just a couple of days rest onto the next game. Whether there's you know, there's inevitably going to be a bit of a, a dip for England, which they need to. You know, obviously counting what's a vital game against New Zealand. And also, New Zealand have just come off the pace a little bit. I mean, I've, I've you know they played in some really tight games. They were well beaten by Australia, uh, so you know the, the pressure's on them a little bit on their net run rate. They've got 11 points. You know, Bangladesh can catch them. The only problem for Bangladesh, I think, is you know they're playing India on Tuesday, which is you know a really tough game for them. But if they were to win that, I mean, they are right in there. And they play Pakistan at Lords on Friday, so you know it's it's exciting the last week of qualifying. I didn't. I think we feared at the start of the tournament, and even perhaps a week or two in, it wouldn't be like this. And we want, you know, we wondered how the league stage would play out. You know, would it be tight? Would it be interesting right to the end? Well, there's a chance that it, it, that that's the way it's going to be. It's certainly going to be tight and interesting until Wednesday, until that England New Zealand match, and things might become a much clearer after that game. And then there's what three more days of qualifying and all ends on Saturday but you know well done England they've uh, they've saved the group stage of the World Cup by losing to Sri Lanka and, and losing to Pakistan and losing to Australia they've made it uh, really interesting but now I suppose now it's time to sort of nail down if possible a semi-final place but you know still a really exciting last week to go in this in this qualification group. Yeah, and you've been uh, watching Australia. Just uh, we should mm. just uh, touch on them. They're looking really quite dangerous now. Obviously, having beaten England at Lords and then uh, really easily overcoming New Zealand, Mitchell Stark twenty-four wickets in the World Cup already, and still got about four games to go. So they they have. And I, I felt with that <coughs> Australia, England, the defeat of England at Lords that there was a. The knowledge of knowing how to win tournament cricket, you know, which comes from obviously Stark and Warner and others who played in the World Cup final in 2015, with people like Langer and Ponting behind the scenes as well. They know how to overcome these tight situations and and force your way through to the the semi-finals and final stages, whereas England have no one in that uh, capacity at all, in the coaching staff or in the team. So that is one little sort of hurdle they have to still overcome. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, the, the other thing for Australia and, and and have a look at it is that because they batted first in in most of their games, uh, the only games they haven't batted first in the Afghanistan match was the first game they played, which they sort of potted along to victory, and the India match, of course, which they lost. Uh, they liked to bat first. They've they've generally batted first in their games so far. So 
and I, you know, it's it's been a bat first World Cup. You, you, when you bat first, you generally speaking bat under a bit less pressure. Uh, of course, they they did have to face some pressure the other day with that new ball against England because the conditions were quite good for bowling. But they they dealt with it. They had a bit of luck, but they've got that strong opening partnership. Uh, you know, so I, what would be interesting is if we get to a semi final stage and they are forced to bat second. And then the team who bats first makes a decent score against them, you know, a, a workable score. Then we'll see what this Australian side is made of. But, I mean, they look good. They, they, they really do. And, you know, the Lions made a difference to them, I think. It, you know, he's a very good bowler. He's made a difference. Stark, absolutely magnificent. Cummings, excellent as well. And, you know, the, on Saturday, the top two failed for just about the well for the second time in the tournament but they found runs they found Kerry Kerry plays superbly Kawaja managed to chisel out a, a decent 80 so you know that they're a, they're a tough side and you know perhaps they are the team to beat in this tournament now well well played to England an outstanding performance today and they've done one important thing and that is they've beaten the only team who were still unbeaten in the tournament pressure is going to be the thing, the critical factor now going forwards. And I suppose we go back to an Australian uh, with that uh, in mind. The Australian Keith Miller, whose, of course, uh, famous quote was, pressure, what's pressure? Pressure is a Messerschmitt up your arse. After his efforts as a pilot in World War II, there's still going to be pressurised moments in this last week of, of World Cup qualifying. We'll be following it, of course, and we'll come back to you towards the end of the week and see how all these uh, permutations of the final four play out. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.